I'm about to get on their ass this time. I'm about to get on their wrong. The police could kill a man on camera and get qualified immunity. And I'm tired of beefing with my own kind. I'm trying to find some unity. Tired of the foolery. The system abusing me. I gotta ride with the tool of me. This shit ain't cool to me. But I'll be damned if I let you niggas make a fool of me. So I keep two on me. Uh, I done came a long way from the block with breakdowns. Finally opened my eyes when I had my daughter. Got tired of them shakedowns. The way I survived the game is still pain in my heart. I got a lot to say now. And I'ma show my whole ass on these motherfuckers. I ain't about to play around. Whatever happened to freedom of speech? Cause they telling niggas what to say now. When guilty ass don't wanna hear the truth, try to act offended, shit pitiful. If I was you, I'd be miserable. This war we fighting is spiritual. In other words, I'm doing God's work when I turn thoughts into artwork. My words fly like darts work, specifically designed to hit the target. They don't even wanna teach history the way it's meant to be because the shit is heartless. I might not change the world, but it's a chance I can spark the brain that's gonna get it started. Many die for me to walk like this, for me to talk like this. What's the piece to mark? Got my eyes behind the scope, and I ain't taking number headshots. I got great aim, but my four five still came with a red dot. I got in this game, and I put this bitch in the headlock. When I'm home chilling the world, I stay tuned to the Fame Podcast. It's the hottest message out there. When I'm home, chilling, I'm always tuned in to fame. He has the hottest podcast out there. Go with it. Better informative. When I'm home, chilling, I'm always tuned in to fame. He has the hottest podcast out here. When I'm home chilling the world, I stay tuned to the Fame Podcast. It's the hottest message out there. Hey y'all, when I'm at the spot just chilling, when I'm in my car just driving around, I always use the phase to keep it real. This thing was real. And that's one of the hottest podcasts around. I definitely suggest it. Check them out. Can we just talk? Can we just talk? Talk about where we're coming before we get lost. I get the vaccine. I thought it was going to protect me from the vaccine. Uh, what's the answer? Well, the answer is unless you get the overwhelming majority of the country vaccinated and protected and get that umbrella of what we call herd immunity, there's still a lot of virus out there. There's still a lot of virus out there. So just because you're protected, so-called protected by the vaccine, you should need to remember that you could be prevented from getting clinical disease and still have the virus that is in your nasopharynx because you could get infected. We're not sure 
at this point that the vaccine protects you against getting infected. Uh -oh. We're not sure at this point that the vaccine protects you against getting infected. Did we know for sure it's very, very good, 94, 95% in protecting you against clinically recognizable disease. <laughs> Got it. Got it. <laughs> clinically recognizable disease, but not COVID. And almost 100% in protecting you for severe disease. <laughs> and almost 100% from severe disease. Well, then what does he call COVID if that's not serious? But until you have virus that is so low in society, we as a nation need to continue to wear the mask, to keep the physical distance, to avoid crowds. We're not through with this just because we're starting a vaccine program. We're not through with this just because we're starting a vaccine. Just because we're starting a vaccine program even though you as an individual might have gotten vaccinated it is not over by any means we still have a long way to go and we've got to get as many people as possible vaccinated of all group this is benjamin watson he's a former nfl football player take a look at what happens when he mentions jesus name on cnn watch this our sin that's in us makes us do those things. And the only the only salvation for this sin is the gospel. The only way to really cure that what's on the inside is understanding that Jesus Christ died for our sins. And so the, to me, on a micro level, it's understanding. So, and just like that, we lost him. I know. Now, CNN is not the only network that seems to have trouble with their program when someone mentions the name of Jesus. When Bubba Watson won the Masters, he mentioned the name of Jesus on ESPN, and all of a sudden, something happened. Um, and in a second, I gotta thank uh, my Lord and Savior, Jesus Christ. <laughs> this day means so much more than, than putting on this green jacket. In many ways, All right, so a uh, technical glitch there. So what's really happening? Brothers and sisters, we are living in the end times. And the Bible says men will become lovers of themselves. Take a look at this picture. This is Dana White. He has grown the UFC from a small business to a multi-billion dollar corporation. However, during an interview, he told a fighter not to mention the name of Jesus. You just won the biggest fight of your career, you know? Um, America doesn't want to hear your thoughts on Jesus. And, you know, keep that stuff at home. It's obvious that Dana White is offended by the name of Jesus. Now let's take a look at the view. When Paula Farris mentioned the name of Jesus, Let's see what happened. We couldn't say JC, we couldn't say G. My son, you know, I know. Yeah, we could say G's. Um, you could say G's, but not, not sus. Yes, yeah. unless you were praising him. And then you could say. I 
Notice they muted her when she said the name of Jesus. You know why you can say everybody else's name and nobody offended? It's because the prince of the air knows that at the name of Jesus, every knee shall bow and every tongue shall confess that Jesus Christ is Lord of Lords and King of Kings. And there's no other name given under heaven by which men can be saved. Jesus is the door to the sheepfold. And if any man enter, he must go through the name of Jesus. I pray that they come to repentance because one day their platform and their influence going to be a thing of the past. They will have to stand before the Lord, the one they mocked, the one they rejected, and they will have to give an account for their lifestyle. There's only one name that can save you. Jesus said, I'm the way, the truth, and the life. If you want to be saved, you have to acknowledge Jesus Christ as being your Lord and Savior. There's a song that says, I will bless. You see right there at the White House, we do have breaking news on the debt limit. Kayla, what do we know? Well, Scott, Treasury Secretary Janet Yellen just wrote a letter to leaders in Congress saying that beginning next Thursday, January 19th, the United States will be reaching its statutory debt limit of just more than $31 trillion, at which point it will have to start taking what it calls extraordinary measures to conserve capital at the federal governmental level uh, to avoid a default on debt. To do that, Treasury is going to be withholding some investments from retirement funds for postal service workers as well, well as other federal government employees. And Secretary Yellen says that uh, as soon as any such deal on the debt ceiling is reached, that those investments accounts will be made whole. A senior administration official tells me that the White House believes that negotiations on a potential debt ceiling deal would begin in earnest after the tax season deadline in mid-April, at which point Treasury will know exactly what tax receipts have come in, what revenue looks like, and exactly how much time will be left on the clock, at which point they'll be able to begin negotiations with Republicans in Congress about exactly how a deal could come together. Secretary Yellen said that uh, the U.S. will be able to maintain these extraordinary measures until about early June. We'll see how that goalpost moves in the coming months. Thank you, Angelic and Amen for this uh, musical opening of the meeting. Your Royal Highnesses, Excellencies, distinguished heads of state and government, Excellencies, dear partners and friends of the World Economic Forum, a very cordial welcome to the 2023 annual meeting. We are coming together under the motto, Cooperation in a Fragmented World. At the beginning of this year, we are confronted with unprecedented and multiple challenges. First, our global economy is undergoing deep transformation. The energy transition, the consequences of COVID, 
the reshaping of supply chains are all serving as catalytic forces for the economic transformation. And the hotspots of this geo-economic remodeling are high inflation, increasing interest rates, and growing national debt. This is particularly hurting low and middle income groups. It is exacerbating societal fragmentation. Second, the geopolitical system is also undergoing deep systemic transformation. Internationally, we are moving to what some people would call a messy patchwork of powers. There are superpowers, emerging powers, middle powers, regional powers, rogue states, and also large corporate and social media powers, all competing increasingly for power and influence. As a result, the trend is again moving towards increased fragmentation and confrontation. Thirdly, our generation has reached a turning point, confronted by truly existential problems, climate change, exploitation of nature, nuclear possible incidents, or even worse, extreme poverty and viruses. They all can lead to an extinction of large parts of our global population. And we have seen how much dealing with those risks, such as COVID or global warming, have again fragmented populations. And finally, the fourth industrial revolution offers us tremendous opportunities. But at the same time, technologies as computing, quantum computing, blockchain, genetics, and so on, they also could create deep societal fragmentation. We have the ability to collaboratively build a more peaceful, resilient, inclusive, and sustainable world. But to do so, we need to overcome the most critical fragmentation. And the most critical fragmentation is between those who take a constructive attitude and those who are just bystanders, observers, and even go into the negative, critical, and confrontational attitude. But the spirit of Davos is positive, is constructive. It means investing into a greener and therefore more sustainable economy, investing into a more cohesive society by providing everyone with the appropriate skills and opportunities, investing into the hard and soft infrastructure that modern societies require. And here in Davos, it means despite all those challenges, 
It means particularly investing in the spirit and the practice of solving problems through mutual respect and cooperation. We believe that we can do it, that through collective responsibility, innovation, human goodwill and ingenuity, we have the capacity to turn the challenges into opportunities. Farm in Iowa sold for $25,000 per acre. To say that land prices are skyrocketing is an understatement. So who is buying all of the farmland? Well, BlackRock buying up record, record shattering amounts of homes. For farms, it's people like Bill Gates. Now, I don't know about you, but Bill Gates buying up 300,000 acres spread out. Remember, 40% of the farmlands, 40% owned by 60, uh, 65 and up, 40%. How many acres did I say that was? 370 million. 40%, 370. How many acres does Bill Gates have now? He's approaching 300 million acres. So that's kind of disturbing. One guy owning another 40% of our farmland, if uh, these numbers are right, that's terrifying, especially a guy who believes in, you know what? We, we well, we shouldn't have cattle. Uh, we shouldn't have yeah, it's a lot of acres, acres, but much better than 300 million. Okay, 300,000 acres. So he's got all this farmland. You know where he's going. He is fully with the World Economic Forum, okay? So the World Economic Forum, what do they want to do? Well, they want to control the land. They want to control the food. They want to control the energy. They want to control the money. Well, if you do all of those things, you control you. Now, I'm gonna take you to something, to the World Economic Forum, their own website. They have a section on smart cities. Right, it's a really smart city. Like, uh, I don't know, like uh, Chicago, very smart. So the smart cities are the way to get all of our problems under control because you're going to, their plan is, to force everybody into cities and leave the land alone. Remember, they have to, by 2030, and Biden's already done this, he's going to preserve 30% of all land in America. You can't, no humans will be on it. By 2050, it's 50% of all land. So where do the people go? The people all have to go into cities but they'll be smart cities. Now, I want you to go to the World Economic Forum's website, and I want you to look this up for yourself because you will not believe what I'm about to tell you. But it's there, currently, in black and white. So you decide who's the conspiracy theory uh, theorist and who is actually lying to you now you're going to love this. You're going to love this. You go to the World Economic Forum, you look up their smart cities, and you're going to see 
partners all over the world. One of them is the Arup Group, A-R-U-P, the Arup Group. They have their own section on the WEF website, okay? They're a progressive group that got together in Britain right after World War II, and they were like, hey, we can do a lot of things, you know? These Fabian socialists, they got a lot of great ideas. Why don't we start building things and building a community of tomorrow? So, <clears throat> very progressive-minded, um, and uh, they want to be a source and a force for peace and social betterment, which I look for in a construction company, don't you? I mean, I'm like, yeah, but how, I mean, it is gonna, I mean, how is it with earthquakes and stuff? Social betterment. Did we say social betterment? Okay. So, um, from the World Economic Forum, uh, let's put uh, page 40 up. There's, there it is. Now, I love this. Now, this is a whole section on, look, we've got some pretty big goals to hit, and we got to hit them. So how do we build these smart cities and what do we need people to do by 2030? Now, they have some pretty aggressive goals and some of them are up there. And they look, I mean, if you're watching Blaze TV, you'll, you'll see them up from the website itself. Uh, but let me, let me give it to you just in case you're not watching because gosh darn it, these, um, these stats are a little sticky. So food, food. Uh, they need to reduce the emissions of food uh, by 2030. So they, their, their target, their target by 2030 is uh, you will only have 16 kilograms of meat per year. Now, they're a farming. Hey, y'all. This is Faith. I just stopped by. I really want y'all to pay attention to this, y'all. You know what I'm saying? I've been throwing these things at y'all, but I got something for y'all I want y'all to hear. And I really want y'all to pay attention to what these guys are saying. Come on, Israel. Come on, Israel. We got to get it together, brother. We got to we got to man up and mind up. This is what these people are doing. You know what I'm saying? They are tripping. They are tripping and we fighting among each other. Man, men can't get along with women and going through this nonsense. No respect, no values. And these, the okie dokie that these people going and all y'all doing is it working? Mind y'all doing, get it girling and get it boy. And these people are ready to chop y'all at the knees. And once they chop y'all off the knees, what can you do? You can't walk. You know? So, you know, man, I really want y'all to pay attention to what these people be saying, man. And don't be sleeping on the game. I want to be straight with you. There will be no return to the old normal for the foreseeable future. I repeat, there will be no return to the old normal for the foreseeable future. So people assume uh, we are just going back uh, to the good old world which we had um, and everything will be normal again in how we are used to normal in the old fashion. This is, uh, let's say, fiction. It will not happen. A vaccine on its own will not end the pandemic. Just very briefly, can you explain to us um, 
how the mRNA works differently, because not all the COVID vaccines are mRNA. How does it work differently? And why was it ready at this point uh, if, if it hadn't been ready for clinical use before? Yeah. Most of the vaccines, the principle is that uh, you are introducing a part of the virus, let's say, uh, into your body so that your body will create antibodies, will recognize the virus as, a, as, a, as an enemy and will create antibodies. Now, you put a piece of the virus so that you will not get the disease, or you put a dead virus, or you put a modified virus, or there are new technologies, but this is the fundamental, that uh, you are putting a piece of the virus so that your body will develop immune response. So when the real virus comes, your body is ready with antibodies, so uh, can win easily the battle, or easier the battle. Uh, the mRNA technology is uh, trying to reverse this challenge. So what they are doing, instead of introducing, let's say, a piece of the virus, a protein of the virus, for example, you are sending a message to your cells through a messenger RNA so that your cells will produce a similar protein like the protein of the virus. Once you do that, then your body will recognize this protein that something is not normal that it should be here, so it will develop antibodies against this protein. And then, the same way, your, yourself, you will be protected when the real virus comes. So as you can see now, you don't even put a piece of the virus, you don't put any foreign protein in you. You are putting a very small piece, message of RNA that will stay a few days in, in your body and then disappears. But those will send the signal to your cells to, to produce this protein. Uh, very revolutionary idea that uh, uh, really uh, is, is uh, discovered 20 years ago and it is, uh, was studied uh, for all these two decades uh, with the last five years way more intensively. And BioNTech was one of the pioneers in uh, doing these uh, studies. Moderna was another one. And uh, eventually, uh, the first success that we were able to do was this product that we developed jointly with BioNTech, the, the COVID vaccine. So the key message from our finding is that we found that recipients of the Pfizer vaccine, those who've had two doses, have about five to six-fold lower amounts of neutralizing antibodies. Now, these are the sort of gold standard private security uh, antibodies of your immune system, which block the virus from getting into your cells in the first place. And so we found that that's less for people with two doses. We've also found that for people with only one dose of the Pfizer jab, that they are less likely to have high levels of these antibodies in their blood. And perhaps most importantly for all of us going forward is that we see that the older you are, the lower your levels are likely to be. And the time since you've had your second jab, as that time goes on, the lower your levels are also likely to be. So that's telling us that we're probably going to be needing to prioritize boosters for older and more vulnerable people coming up soon, especially if this new variant spreads. Why don't we blow the system up? I mean, obviously, we can't just turn off the spigot on the system we have and then say, hey, everyone in the world should get this new vaccine we haven't given to anyone yet. But there must be some way that we grow vaccines mostly in eggs the way we did in 1947. In order to make the transition from getting out of the tried and true egg growing, which we know gives us results that can be you know, beneficial. I mean, we've done well with that to something that has to be much better. 
uh, you have to prove that this works. And then you've got to go through all of the clinical trials, phase ones, phase twos, phase three, and then show that this particular product is going to be good over a period of years. That alone, if it works perfectly, is going to take a decade. There might be a need or even an urgent call for uh, an entity right. of excitement out there that's completely disruptive, that's not beholden to bureaucratic strings and, and, and processes. So we really do have a problem of how the world perceives influenza and it's going to be very difficult to change that unless you do it from within and say, I don't care what your perception is, we're going to address the problem in a disruptive way and in an iterative way because you do need both. But it is not too crazy to think that an outbreak of an, a novel avian virus could occur in, in China somewhere. We could get the RNA sequence from that, beam it to a number of regional centers, if not local, if not even in your home at some point, and print those vaccines on a patch and self-administer. You can clearly see on Moderna's own website, these mRNA drugs are designed to edit the DNA that God has given you. Our operating system, recognizing the broad potential of mRNA science, we set out to create an mRNA technology platform that functions very much like an operating system on a computer. It is designed so it can plug and play interchangeably with different programs. In our case, the program or app is our mRNA drug, the unique mRNA sequence that codes for a protein. DNA stores instructions for proteins in the nucleus. mRNA is a temporary set of instructions for cells to make a protein. mRNA is made using DNA. Proteins form the basis of life by performing the functions required by every cell. Proteins are made using mRNA. The software of life. When we have a concept for a new mRNA medicine and begin research, fundamental components are already in place. Generally, the only thing that changes from one potential mRNA medicine to another is the coding region. The actual genetic code that instructs ribosomes to make protein. Utilizing these instruction sets gives our investigational mRNA medicines a software-like quality. We also have the ability to combine different mRNA sequences coding for a different protein in a single mRNA investigational medicine. We are leveraging the flexibility afforded by our platform and the fundamental role mRNA plays in protein synthesis to pursue mRNA medicines for a broad spectrum of diseases. I encourage my patients to get vaccinated against COVID-19. Vaccinations protect you from the serious disease. If you're trying to become pregnant now or plan to try in the future, you can get COVID-19 vaccines. Learn more at cdc.gov. Hi, I'm Dr. Katia Castillo, and I have been practicing OBGYN for 26 years. When my pregnant patients ask me whether they should get vaccinated against COVID-19, I tell them that vaccination protects them from this serious disease. 
I know COVID-19 disease can be very serious in pregnant women. It can affect pregnancy or the baby. Millions of people, including pregnant women, have gotten these safe and effective vaccines. Learn more at cdc.gov. The new study doctor uh, just emphasizing how at risk pregnant women and their babies are from, from COVID-19. I'm sure you saw it. I mean, they tracked 13,000 pregnant women. Um, and I just wonder if you're concerned for people at risk like that or other vulnerable groups that this give, can give fodder to, um, to conspiracy theorists, to those who downplay COVID, to anti-vaxxers. I'm sure you, you know, you thought about that, right? As you were, as you were writing this, are you worried about that? It's interesting that I have had criticism on both sides. There are people who have said, well, why are you saying that we're overcounting COVID deaths now? You should have said this two and a half years ago. There are others who have said, well, we're not overcounting them and they give various reasons as to why. I think at the end of the day, we just need the truth. And part of that truth is what you mentioned, Poppy, which is that vaccines are highly protective, that vaccines are very effective, they're very safe, and vulnerable groups, including pregnant women, pregnant individuals, should be getting vaccinated. At the same time, we should also be honest about who was dying from COVID during the early parts of the pandemic versus who is dying from COVID now. I think that type of honest, transparent reporting is really important, including for fostering trust in public health. Good day, beautiful truth seekers. See Dietrich you here. It is January 18th, 2023. You have just heard from Dr. Lena Wen telling pregnant women that they should go and get the COVID-19 vaccine. As well, you have heard from Dr. Walters, who is representing the CDC, telling you to go and get the vaccine if you're pregnant. As well as Dr. Castillo, also representing the CDC, promoting the COVID-19 vaccine for pregnant women. So why don't we do something most people won't do and go to the FDA's own website and see what the FDA, as well as the manufacturers, have to say about that very subject. This is the FDA's home page. Right there, COVID-19 bivalent vaccine booster. Click on that. We come down to this page. And from there, you now have access to Moderna's paperwork and Pfizer's paperwork. So let's start with Moderna. And this is Vaccine Information Fact Sheet for Recipients and Caregivers. And on page 6, all it says about pregnancy. What if I am pregnant or breastfeeding? If you are pregnant or breastfeeding, discuss your options with your healthcare provider. I think I would pass on that one and do your own research. This is, after all, your future and your babies, and theirs. So if we move on down to this page, Fact Sheet for Healthcare Providers Administering Vaccine. Then we come all the way back down to page 34. It clearly states 11.1 Pregnancy Available data on Moderna COVID-19 vaccine administered to pregnant women are insufficient to inform vaccine-associated risks in pregnancy. Data are not available on Moderna COVID-19 vaccine bivalent administered 
to pregnant women. Pfizer, page 35 of this document, fact sheet for healthcare providers administering vaccine. It clearly states at 11.1, no data are available regarding the use of Pfizer-BioNTech COVID-19 vaccine bivalent during pregnancy. Available data on Pfizer-BioNTech COVID-19 vaccine administered to pregnant women are insufficient to inform vaccine-associated risks in pregnancy. 11.2. Lactation Data are not available to assess the effects of Pfizer-BioNTech COVID-19 vaccine or the Pfizer-BioNTech COVID-19 vaccine bivalent on the breastfed infant or on milk production slash excretion. And one final document to have a quick look at here, on page 176 of the Comirnaty Risk Management Plan, all of these documents can be found on the FDA's website. And I suggest you go there, read them, download them, share them with your friends, because this is not information you're going to get from the corporate media. Table 77, Missing Information, Use in Pregnancy and While Breastfeeding. As you can see, there's other missing information there as well, but we're going to keep this strictly about the pregnancy. Do your own research. The information is readily available right there for you. You don't have to trust media because they are not your friends they work for the enemy question everything god bless hey what's up this phase just trying to holler at y'all see what's going on had a lot on my mind reminiscing, trying to figure out these things that are going on my mind. Trying to figure out some puzzles. I'm not here to start nothing. I ain't trying to start nothing. Just got some things that I want to get done. Some things that I want to get solved. Some things I want to enlighten myself with. So maybe y'all take a time and to get the opportunity to stop by and listen to my thoughts. Hope so. Very intellectual. So... If you get time, just holler at me. I'm reminiscing all in my room, just trying to figure out a whole lot of things. Until then, y'all have a great day, and thank you for coming in and listening to me. Thanks. data as part of my belief in my ability to observe objective reality and make decisions based on it. And when I look at the data, it terrifies me. There are so many unknowns from the long-term safety that 
I'm scared for everyone who's taken this. And truly, I, I sit down at night sometimes and cry because I have so many friends who've taken this vaccine and I worry about them in the long term. We don't have long-term safety data. What we do know is that this protein, the spike protein, combines two proteins in the brain that can cause long-term side effects, potentially. We know that the vaccines cause neurological side effects. We know that they have the ability to get to the brain. Everybody who's taken it should be deeply concerned from that perspective alone, that the long-term side effects are enough. Community, original and Omicron BA1, community, original Omicron BA4-5, risk management plan from two months ago, November 2022. If we go to page 174, list of important risks and missing information. Important identified risk, myocarditis and pericarditis. Important potential risk, vaccine-associated enhanced disease, including vaccine-associated enhanced respiratory disease. Respiratory? Huh. Missing information, use in pregnancy and while breastfeeding. Use in immunocompromised patients. Use in frail patients with comorbidities. Example. Chronic obstructive pulmonary disease, diabetes, chronic neurological disease, cardiovascular disorders, use in patients with autoimmune or inflammatory disorders, interaction with other vaccines, and long-term safety data. Maybe you're thinking the FDA didn't know about any of this. Hear from their own documents. Warnings on page 7. Myocarditis and pericarditis. Post-marketing safety data with Pfizer-BioNTech COVID-19 vaccines are relevant to Pfizer-BioNTech COVID-19 vaccine bivalent because these vaccines are manufactured using the same process. Post-marketing data with authorized or approved monovalent mRNA COVID-19 vaccines demonstrate increased risk of myocarditis and pericarditis, particularly within the first week following receipt of the second primary dose or first booster dose. For the Pfizer-BioNTech COVID-19 vaccine, the observed risk is higher among adolescent males and adult males under 40 years of age than females and older males, and the observed risk is highest in the males 12 through 17 years of age. Although some cases required intensive care support, available data from short-term follow-up suggests that most individuals had a resolution of symptoms with conservative management. Information is not yet available about potential long-term squalae. And, if we jump down to page 35, on the FDA's own documentation, Drug Interactions There are no data to assess the concomitant administration of the Pfizer-BioNTech COVID-19 vaccine bivalent with other vaccines. Pregnancy No data are available regarding the use of Pfizer-BioNTech COVID-19 vaccine bivalent during pregnancy. Available data on Pfizer-BioNTech COVID-19 vaccine administered to pregnant women are insufficient to inform vaccine-associated risks in pregnancy. Lactation. Data are not available to assess the effects of Pfizer-BioNTech COVID-19 vaccine or the Pfizer-BioNTech COVID-19 vaccine bivalent on the breastfed infant or on milk production slash excretion. Pediatric use. Geriatric use. So to say the FDA might not have known would be a false statement. No, 
My name is Dr. Joseph Raymond. I'm an emergency physician based in Louisiana. In addition, I am a clinical scientist. I was the lead author of a peer-reviewed study that reanalyzed the original Pfizer and Moderna clinical trials for the messenger RNA COVID-19 vaccines. We found the vaccine increased serious adverse events at a rate of one in 800. At the time of publication, my co-authors and I did not believe our single study warranted the withdrawal of the messenger RNA vaccines from the market. However, since its publication, multiple new pieces of evidence have come to light, and this has caused me to reevaluate my position. An article published in the BMJ regarding the FDA's own observational surveillance data found the messenger RNAs were associated with multiple of the exact same serious adverse events identified in our original study. But the FDA had failed to inform the public of these findings. In addition, now we have multiple autopsy studies that find essentially conclusive evidence that the vaccines are inducing sudden cardiac deaths, yet the rate of these vaccine-induced deaths remains unknown. While many nations that have been using the messenger RNA vaccines have experienced an increase in excess mortality, more people dying than should be expected from past years. And this correlates in time with the initial vaccine rollout and then with the subsequent booster campaigns. Nations with higher messenger RNA vaccine uptake have correlations with higher rates of excess mortality. While the cause of this excess mortality is not known, researchers analyzing this data were unable to identify any other reasonable cause of the excess death other than the vaccines. Given now that Omicron variant is less virulent and is able to evade much of the protection offered by the vaccines, this creates a situation where the benefits of the vaccine have been dramatically reduced in, for hospitalization and, and death. Together, this information calls into question if the vaccine's benefits are outweighing the harm. I believe, given the information, the messenger RNA vaccines need to be withdrawn from the market until new randomized controlled trials can clearly demonstrate the benefits of the vaccine outweigh the serious harm we now know the vaccines are causing. If there ever was a novel public health emergency, if it's definitely gone now. There is nothing circulating in your environment that you, be, that you should be frightened of, except your government's responses. Your government is not behaving properly. Their public health function has failed, and we need to be uh, taking back our own lives, talking to each other more, not being shy about the questions we have, and, and just stop believing the nonsense that we're getting through, essentially tabloid journalism on the television all the time. So look around you, realize that, that there is no evidence of, of some harms. The younger you are and the healthier you are, the, the less you ever need to listen to these messages. Stop taking these injections. They're, they're not effective and they're not safe. And whenever you're next given a frightening message from your public health people and your government, you should ask lots of questions because they have shown themselves capable of lying mercilessly to us. And I think this is the worst, probably the worst case in history. Millions more people in England could be prescribed daily cholesterol-lowering statin pills to cut their risk of a heart attack or stroke under new advice for the NHS. The National Institute for Health and Care Excellence says the cheap price of tablets 
and the possible health gains mean they should be considered more often. In England, high cholesterol leads to around 7% of all deaths. Well, I'm joined now by Dr. Asim Malhotra. He is a consultant cardiologist and specialises in statins. Thank you for joining us this morning, Doctor. Um, so good, in morning, terms of, good morning. Um, in terms of what NICE are saying, your thoughts on that? Yeah, so I have a great respect for NICE, but I think in this regard with statins, I think this guidance is misguided. Um, and the reason I say that, Laguessa, is something I've, you know, I've managed thousands of people with heart disease in my career, um, prescribed statins, particularly to high-risk people. And I just want to you know, emphasize that people who've had a heart attack or high risk, that's where we see the greatest benefits of statins. But in this guidance, this basically applies to people who have a less than 10% risk. And if you have a less than 20% risk of having a heart attack or stroke in the next 10 years, the one thing that we always tell patients when I prescribe statins or discuss it with them is that there is, first of all, no what we call mortality benefit. They're not going to live any longer over a five-year period. And uh, that the absolute benefits for them is about 1%, 1 in 100 in preventing a non-fatal heart attack or stroke. So that informed decision-making needs to be part of the process in discussion with patients and, uh, and then help the patient make a decision themselves. In my own experience, Laquessa, when most patients are told this information, they actually say, Doc, to be honest, I don't really fancy those odds. Is there anything else I can do? And of course, the big issue really uh, that's ongoing, which has been you know, great, going on for years uh, in this country, is that we've not been addressing unhealthy lifestyles or certainly being effective in curbing unhealthy lifestyles. We have this big problem with the obesity epidemic. And, uh, and when you look at heart disease, my own research has found this, is that the best way to prevent heart disease and even manage people with heart disease, whether or not they choose to take a statin, is actually through lifestyle changes. So what does that mean in simple terms? It means cutting out ultra-processed foods, which is now half of the British diet. So foods that come in a, in a packet that are full of unhealthy oils, carbohydrates, sugar, for example. Um, eating real food, basically. Uh, moderate exercise, at least 30 minutes brisk walk a day. Uh, and also the, the, the other big sort of elephant in the room is stress reduction. Now, on top of that, Luessa, one of the reasons I think this is coming to the news just now is obviously there's been a big concern uh, recently around excess deaths. Now, the British Heart Foundation have said certainly during the pandemic or since the pandemic, there's been 30,000 excess deaths specifically due to coronary artery disease. That's my area of expertise. And they're trying to figure out what's causing it. Chris Whitty recently said, suggested that it could be because people weren't prescribed statins or blood pressure pills. But Carl Hennigan, that, that unfortunately, I, I've got respect for Chris Whitty, but I think he's mistaken here because analysis I've done, even Carl Hennigan, the director of Centre of Evidence-Based Medicine Oxford, suggests that statin pills prescription hasn't reduced since the pandemic. So it's unlikely to be a cause. But what is almost certainly, and I, if you allow me to say this, Laquesta, what I, my own research has found, uh, and this is something that is probably a likely contributing factor, is that the COVID mRNA vaccines do carry a cardiovascular risk. And um, I've actually called for the suspension of this pending an inquiry because there's a lot of uncertainty at the moment about what's causing the excess deaths. Some of it will be ambulance delays. My own father, it was reported on BBC News in um, late 2021, uh, I was the first to actually highlight the ambulance delays because my own father suffered a cardiac arrest at home and the ambulance took 30 minutes. And when his post-mortem came out, he had very severe coronary artery disease, which is unexplainable. I then published in a peer-reviewed journal, they accepted my findings that the likely cause of his death was two doses of the Pfizer mRNA vaccine he had six months earlier. So can, can I, I just, think there's lots of... Yeah, sorry, yeah, I'm sorry, I just want to jump in on that point. So what you're saying in terms of the mRNA link to cardiovascular uh, risk, is that 
That is a proven, it's been proven medically, has it? Scientifically? Yeah, yeah, for the question. So in medicine, you know, in any research that we do, it's very difficult to always be absolutely conclusive. So we mm. go on like, and there are lots of data now. Um, the, the highest quality data is what we call randomized control trial evidence. So there was a reanalysis in the journal Vaccine published recently where they found that the original trials of Pfizer and Moderna with mRNA vaccines showed, and I just want to put this in absolute terms because we don't want to scare people unnecessarily, mm. but the absolute risk of serious adverse events was at least one in 800. Okay. Uh, and, and a lot of those are cardiovascular. And then it, you were more likely in those trials to suffer a serious adverse event than to be hospitalized All with right. COVID early on. And I think the vaccine has certainly helped people who are high risk, but now we should be reassured that Omicron and what's circulating is really no worse than the flu. And this is really time to pause the vaccine rollout and to really okay. investigate this problem. Okay, um, so I just want to clarify one, one point here, is that is using statins a cheaper, less resistant, but short-sighted um, approach to lowering the risk? Yeah, I think you've summed it up perfectly. So it doesn't mean statins don't have a role, but the absolute benefits are very marginal and low risk people. Okay. And, and, and actually, therefore, I would say to patients, this is the benefit, but if you cut out ultra processed foods, if you get, engage in regular activity, and we need, we need to help people do that as well. The problem is, as you know, a lot of the issues driving the obesity ep epidemic are related to the food environment. We have a oversupply of cheap ultra processed foods that are very heavily marketed. And that drives a lot of behavior. And therefore, if we're really going to combat obesity, I, and I advised Matt Hancock on this when he was Secretary for Health, because, you know, I came out and highlighted the link between COVID, output, poor outcomes from COVID and obesity. And one of the things I told Matt Hancock, and it was reported in the I newspaper, is that we need to introduce controls like we did with tobacco on these ultra processed foods. So these are things like taxing ultra processed foods, banning advertising of ultra processed foods, uh, and also a public health education campaign saying, you know, if it comes out of a packet, and it has five or more ingredients, don't eat it. And when you look at the cardiovascular risk with Wester, what's really interesting in my own experience with patients is that very quickly, even within weeks, risk factors for heart disease through a process of helping reduce insulin resistance improve very, very quickly, purely from dietary changes. This isn't a long-term, you know, it doesn't take a long sort of uh, time to have this effect. It's very, very quick and it's cheap. You know, you're advising people to put, uh, and that's what we need to really be thinking about. That's what the focus should be, I think, in terms of what's Dr. going to be the biggest impacts on reducing heart disease. Okay. Dr. Mahatma, thank you very much. Very in-depth explanation at the arguments set for and against. Thank you for that. Um, I've just got um, a little bit of information from NICE itself. So let me just read to you what uh, their reaction has been. So the, the spokesman, Paul Crisp, uh, for NICE has said that what we're saying is that for people with a less than 10% risk over 10 years of a first heart attack or stroke, the decision to take a statin should be left to individual patients after an informed discussion of benefits and risks. The evidence is clear in our view that for people with a risk of 10% or less over 10 years, statins are an appropriate choice to reduce uh, that risk. We are not advocating that statins are used alone and very quickly the draft guidelines continue to say that it is only only if lifestyle changes on their own are not sufficient and that other risk factors such as hypertension are also managed um well we may we may well hear from nice themselves later today but um that's uh, the view on on that story and the use of uh, statins the recommendation 
Moderna before COVID could very well have collapsed and disappeared. All that technology could have disappeared simply because there might not have been the venture capital out there that was prepared to keep backing you. Yes, what most people don't appreciate is we raised three billion US dollars to get the technology to this point when the pandemic happened. And we were expecting to raise a couple more billions before we're turning a profit. But you were looking for things such as hard tumours, how to break those down, things for heart disease, different things. You weren't necessarily looking at that time for flu-type symptoms, were you? So we were working for infectious disease, so we had already a big portfolio of infectious disease vaccines. But to your point, we've always thought that this information molecule, the mRNA, could be a very, very powerful medicine that we inject in your body so you make your own drug. Um, and as you described, we have exciting programs in cancer, you know, in skin cancer. We're gonna have the data by the end of this year. We just presented two weeks ago at our annual R&D day, data in rare genetic disease where kids are unlucky. They get wrong DNA for mom and dad, and they cannot make a protein that you and I have. So what do we do? We design in the mRNA, Instead of spike, to so say you put in to make spike, like in the vaccine case, we put the instruction that you and I have all in our DNA. And we give it IV to those kids to go into their liver. And when the mRNA delivers the instruction in their liver, they make the protein that they are missing. And the early clinical data in terms of reduction of hospitalization is quite compelling. And so I think rare disease is also something we can do. As you say, cardiology. We have now in a clinic a super exciting program when we inject mRNA in people's heart after heart attack to grow back new blood vessels to help revascularize the heart. So it's a bit like science fiction medicine, but that's what is really exciting to me. But the, the other side of this is that right now, Moderna, though it has this pipeline, has one commercial product, and that's the spike vax. That's the actual COVID vaccination. So that's the irony of COVID is it really has in some ways allowed you to go and develop these other areas because of the revenues that came through the door. Let's have a look and see how they're doing with the COVID injection. This is from September 29th. So it would be the previous couple of weeks. And down here on page three, cases, hospitalizations and deaths. Not fully vaccinated, fully vaccinated, fully vaccinated plus the booster. So hospitalizations, not fully vaccinated. We can see 1,037, fully vaccinated, 757, fully vaccinated and booster, 1,365. Deaths, 32, not fully vaccinated, 29, fully vaccinated, and 34, fully vaccinated plus the booster. Now let's make sure we get that definition for not fully vaccinated. Not fully vaccinated includes individuals with one dose of the two dose series, no doses, or unknown vaccination status. Individuals who are not yet eligible for the vaccine are also included. Why do you suppose they lump all of them together, whether they've had one, two, or three shots, or no shots? Pretty underhanded in my opinion. Now let's move over to New South Wales. Here you can see week 38. And if we scroll down to this page right here, 
you can see admitted to hospital, admitted to ICU, and death. So let's go down here and look at vaccination status. In the hospital, there was 58 unknown statuses. Zero, no doses. One had one dose. 45 had two doses. 74 had three doses. And 98 had four or more doses. In the ICU, there was eight people with unknown vaccination status. One person with no vaccines. Zero with one dose. Six people with two doses. Eight people with three doses. And 11 people with four or more doses. Deaths. There was one death where the vaccination status was unknown. 13 deaths involved people who allegedly had no vaccine. One death had one dose. Eight deaths involved two doses. 21 deaths had three doses. And 23 deaths had four or more doses. Now again, I pointed this out last time I showed you this paperwork. The no dose category makes zero sense to me. So in the hospital, there was nobody who didn't have the vaccine. In the ICU, they had one patient who had no vaccines. Yet we're supposed to believe that 13 people died because they didn't get the injection? That math doesn't work. Unless you can point something out to me that makes that make sense, I don't see how that's even possible without absolutely fudging the numbers. Which we know they do, right? Now we've already seen how they manipulated the unvaccinated cases, right? Well, this is where they go ahead and make another change because honesty, right? March 25th, 2022. In the ICU, fully vaccinated 66, partially 3, unvaccinated 30. In hospital but not ICU, fully vaccinated 402, partially 23, unvaccinated 123. But, and I pointed this out to some bigger channels, and they ran with it for a little while, thankfully, until they pulled this information. But this is where they get even more underhanded. Unvaccinated cases, we already know that they skew those numbers, right? Well now, unvaccinated suddenly turns into not fully vaccinated cases. And who are they? They are people who did not have any vaccine dose. They are people where symptoms started after receiving the first dose of a two-dose COVID-19 vaccine, or symptoms started between zero and less than 14 days after receiving the first dose of a single-dose vaccine series, for example, Jensen, or symptoms started between zero and less than 14 days after receiving the second dose of a two-dose vaccine series. So now, not only are they lumping in the first 13 days after the first jab, they're also lumping in the first 13 days after the second jab. That is clearly what should be considered partially vaccinated. No? Let's see if we can see that anywhere else. Partially vaccinated 14 days or more after receiving the first dose of a two-dose vaccine series or between zero and less than 14 days after receiving the second dose of a two-dose vaccine series. So between zero and less than 14 days after receiving the second dose of a two-dose vaccine series. Wasn't that right here at the bottom? Symptoms started between zero and less than 14 days after receiving the second dose of a two-dose vaccine series. 
Can you see how honest your government is being with us? Yeah, but we should trust them, right? Moving on, April 2nd, in the ICU, fully vaccinated 65, partially vaccinated 3, unvaccinated 29. In the hospital, but not ICU, fully vaccinated 544, partially 27, unvaccinated 142. April 8th, in the ICU, fully vaccinated 70, partially 2, unvaccinated 25. In hospital, but not ICU, fully vaccinated 690, partially 37, unvaccinated 179. April 14th, in the ICU, fully vaccinated 72, partially 5, unvaccinated 27. In hospital, but not ICU, fully vaccinated 899, partially 47, unvaccinated 205. April 22nd, in the ICU, fully vaccinated 99, partially 1, unvaccinated cases 29. In hospital, but not ICU, fully vaccinated 1002, partially 65, unvaccinated 225. May 7th, in the ICU, fully vaccinated 80, partially 11, unvaccinated 33. In hospital, but not ICU, fully vaccinated 980, partially 71, unvaccinated 221. May 9th, in the ICU, fully vaccinated 80, partially 11, unvaccinated 33. In hospital, but not ICU, fully vaccinated 980, partially 71, unvaccinated 221. May 13th, in ICU, fully vaccinated 62, partially 11, unvaccinated 24. In hospital, but not ICU, fully vaccinated 932, partially 49, unvaccinated 207. May 27th, in the ICU, fully vaccinated 57, partially 7, unvaccinated 15. In hospital, but not ICU, fully vaccinated 513, partially 34, unvaccinated 129. June 3rd, in the ICU, fully vaccinated 61, partially 5, unvaccinated 10. In hospital, but not ICU, fully vaccinated 414, partially 26, unvaccinated 81. And now the very last week that they gave us this data, before they changed it and hit it on us, comes from June 10th. In the ICU, fully vaccinated 39, partially 1, unvaccinated 14. In hospital, but not ICU, fully vaccinated 333, partially 22, unvaccinated 66. Look at those numbers right there, 333, 22, and 66. Clearly they're sending a message there, aren't they? Anyway, as you can clearly see, they manipulate the data in the first 14 days and then Ontario government went ahead and manipulated it even further by adding the second dose into the unvaccinated category and changing the term unvaccinated to not fully vaccinated. And even with all that trickery, the numbers still couldn't hide just how bad this injection truly is for you. Please share this information with anybody you think it might help. This is beyond ridiculous. It's beyond tyranny. And you can clearly see why they stopped giving you this information. So I've just given you 23 straight weeks of manipulated data from the Ontario government of Canada. 
And the other day, I did this video here, reduces hospitalizations and severe disease, which gave you 10 straight weeks of data from New South Wales, and it's the same trickery, same results. If you take these injections, the outlook for your future is not good. It's very grim. I'm sorry to tell you that, but it is the truth. Please stop taking these injections. These will kill you. So once again, if you find this valuable and you think it might help somebody, share this video, share it. So the Saudis have come out officially and said that they are through with the US dollar. They are now trading oil for oil and gold. What they are recognizing is that the money and the gold that's being backed by the countries in Africa and China and Russia, the rubles, countries that have gas, oil, gold, commodities to back up their money, that's what they're investing in. The U.S. dollar is backed by nothing. For all of us over here, get ready for the fall. Now, we all know that the inflation rate is supposed to be the debt ceiling is supposed to hit the, 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 on Thursday. Is it possible that by the Saudis dropping the U.S. dollar, which they don't even want that to buy oil, the U.S. cannot purchase oil from the Saudis with the U.S. dollar anymore. They have to come up off of their gold or their assets or commodities. What do you think they're going to do before they leave? They're going to crash the market. The only question is now is when is it going to happen? When is it going to happen, y'all? Is it after they leave Davos? After they receive their orders and their nice little cute binders? You notice that Klaus Schwab and Bill Gates and George Soros, they weren't there. They aren't there. You don't find that suspicious? You don't find that suspicious. You mean to tell me the people that's supposed to be the middlemen that orchestrate all this ain't there? They have their orders. This is how you know when things are real. When the DD, one of the top guys, the top peoples and stuff, they not coming? You know what time it is. We are only looking for the when will it happen. We know it's going to happen. We're looking for when. US dollar has officially fallen. It's only a matter of time before the banks claim, declare bankruptcy like they did in Venezuela, how they throwing their money and nobody's even using the money. They throwing the money on the streets in Venezuela, soon to come to the United States of America. Get prepared, y'all, because after Davos, these things might just get ugly.
Feel this, then you know what I'm talking about. 